my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Dominique Sloper. How are you, Dominique? Hi, Dr. Greenwood. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time today. So Dominique is um, just the second ever student that we're featuring on the podcast, and we're doing so leading up to our spring 2022 commencement. So Dominique will be a, a 2022 graduate, um, um, but she's she's also one of the reasons she's been chosen is that she's um, she's been uh, like a lot of our students. She has has uh, enhanced her experience uh, while she's been in college, right? And so she was recently, uh, promoted to front desk supervisor at the Inn at Morrow Bay. So we will eventually talk to Dominique about uh, what she's doing there at the Inn at Morrow Bay. But we want to get to know you a little bit better first, Dominique. Tell us, tell us where you're from. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm from Vacaville, California. It's up by Sacramento. Right. Um, and it's a fun little city, very well, it's actually, it's growing in size quite a bit. I think our population soared a little over a hundred thousand years back. So I guess it's growing in size, but to me, it's a little small town feels like home and everyone knows everyone. So it's a fun little place to grow up in. Right on. (laughs) And I guess at the foothills of the mountains, right? Is that, is that right? Yes. Lots of cows. Lots of cows. (laughs) I got you. I got you. Well, I only know that Vacaville from, um, uh, my, my junior giant study. And so there's a junior giants league there. So, uh, that's the only reason I, I've heard of it, but I knew that it was, uh, near Sacramento. So that's cool. Did you, um, did you have any siblings growing up? I did. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I still do. Yeah, uh, of <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I do. I have an older brother. Um, he is, oh gosh, um, in his thirties, he's got three kids married with a wife. Um, so quite a bit older than me, kind of a mentor and role model in my life. Um, and he's in the, um, audio engineering industry and is always kind of working on a passion project. Um, I've also got an aunt. You became an aunt at a young age there, huh? I did. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I think he's like 11 years older than me. So I became an aunt when I was in like middle school, which was fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. You have that in common with Dr. Rue. She has a a brother who's almost, I think 10 year over 10 years older than her as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I love it. And honestly, it's, I love my nieces and it gives me the chance to kind of get all the, the kiddo play out of my system and then, yeah. you know, on focusing on school and work and stuff like that. So it's super fun and I love them. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And, yeah. and, and you said, so, so one older brother. Yeah. So an older brother. And then I also have an older sister. Um, She's about two years older than me. She graduated from Sonoma State um, and she has a degree in political science and then also a credential from UC Davis in uh, marketing. Right on. Right on. Awesome. Well, shout out to brother and sister there. So so tell us what uh, tell us what young Dominique was like growing up. You said everybody knows everyone. So even though it's a growing Vacaville, right? Uh, uh, what, what, what was it like? Uh, what was it like growing up? What was what was your jam? What did you get into? Yeah. Um, well, I also wanted to mention, I also have a little brother. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Hey, little brother. <laughs> yeah, little brother, just as important, but I guess yeah. he kind of falls under the radar sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he? Where is he? 
Um, he is, I think he's about to turn 21 in August. So he's mm. kind of coming up right behind me. Um, wow. He is studying right now in school, but he thinks that he's actually going to go into the military and kind of reroute his education there. Ah, okay. um, and then he wants to be a CHP officer when he grows up. So ah, we're super excited okay. about that. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll look out for him on the highway. Oh yeah. Yeah. Try not to speak. <laughs> right on, right on. So what was your jam growing up? What did, what did you get into Dominique? Yeah. So growing up, I was kind of a jack of all trades kind of kid. I okay. really did a lot of everything. Um, I started playing soccer when I was about five. Yeah. Um, I loved running throughout high school. I was involved in music. I play violin, piano, ukulele. Um, I started singing and songwriting when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and I love art. I love to paint, draw knit crochet so um listen to you you are a jack of all (laughs) trades i love it i am i really i just feel like if i had all the time in the world i would become a master of everything and i think that's (laughs) my hobby (laughs) right of course of course so let's talk about let's talk about your path to cal poly you know everyone has um has a different story in terms of their path and i I think it's I, i i always think it's really interesting to hear those paths and 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 how you found out about Cal Poly and the major and that sort of thing. Um, do you have a story along those lines? I do. Yeah. So I actually came into Cal Poly. I'm, I'm in my fifth year right now. So took right. a little bit of a non-traditional route, but it's okay. Perfectly um, fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I came into Cal Poly as an agricultural science major. Oh. Um, I had found out about Cal Poly through my FFA program in high school. And my advisor was talking to me about um, uh-huh. colleges that I could go to. And uh-huh. I decided to go to Cal Poly under ag ed or agricultural education. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually ended up changing my major in my third year. So quite late, hence the five-year program. Right, right. <laughs> but I, shout out to there's no one way to do it. And I, I love that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's definitely fun. And it definitely suits me kind of trying to learn everything about everything. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. But yeah, I, I found out about Cal Poly through Ag and uh then ended up learning about EIM when I was looking into changing my major. And I actually yeah. took it on as a minor first and then oh, you did. made the change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you realized you had found a home and uh, just uh, took it to the next step. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think it was my first EIM class and I was like, yeah, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> oh, cool. I love that. You know, I hear that from a lot of people. And so I, I love, I love, obviously I love hearing that. I mean, we, we want to, you know, we, we want to help people explore and, and, um, and get to the point, uh, you know, Cal Poly with, with making you declare your, your major before you come. I mean, there's good and bad in that. And, um, and, and so I love hearing these stories of, of students, um, finally finding their way or, or knowing their path from, you know, age two. Um, but there's, so, the, I think the point is that there's so many different paths to take and there's no one right way. I think we have a tendency to think in life <laughs> because of a lot of different um, influences. We have a tendency to think there's only one path, right? And if we stray from that path, that, that, um, that it's a bad thing. And that's absolutely not the case. And so I love, I love that story. That's great to hear. So um, 
I, I assume with the minor that you were thinking event planning, um, are you, um, has that changed as you've, as you've gotten into the major a little bit? 100%. I never thought I would be where I was when I first right. started in the minor. I was so focused on, I'm going to be doing event planning of some sort, probably weddings or maybe um, like some type of festival. And uh-huh. uh, I actually took uh, Dr. Wallace's, oh gosh, I think it's like 216 class. Okay. Um, and from then on, I drank the Kool-Aid and now I am actively <laughs> focused yeah. on hotels and very deep dived into hotels, which is awesome. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I'm going to have to get Jamie Wallace on the, on this uh, podcast because I, I, I hear from so many students that he's been a positive influence on them. And so um, I, I love I love hearing that. So so let's talk a little bit about you building your experience uh, during your, your five years, right? I imagine you didn't start right away in our industry, right, with the ag science. But um. Can you talk about um, what it's been like in building your professional development and, um, you know, kind of walk us along that path to, to get to the end at Morro Bay? Yeah, absolutely. So I started um, when I was at Cal Poly, um, obviously, as ag science, and I was kind of always the kid that I wanted to get really involved in everything. And so starting mm-hmm. at Cal Poly, I uh, kind of shifted into joining about a million clubs, of course, as every freshman does, trying to make friends. Um, And I started with a bunch of music clubs, ag clubs. Um, I kind of moved around everywhere, Mm -hmm. got a couple leadership positions. And then my first real experience with professional development in college was um, when I decided to become an RA for my second year. Right Um, Yeah. I loved that experience. Um, I loved being able to um, train with diversity, equity, inclusivity, um, Mm -hmm. some of my passion projects there. Um, And I loved being able to um, kind of get actively involved in building a community. And that's kind of where my passion for the EIM department started to take root. I was going to say, yeah, there's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got super excited about that. It was definitely probably one of my favorite college experiences. I love that. You know, I, I, I look back and I think about myself and and my, (laughs) during my college experience, and I was nowhere close to being mature enough, uh, to handle a role like uh, a resident advisor. And, um, and so in my, um, my, my now my professional life, obviously, as a, as a professor, I, I've just I have such great respect for those students who step up and take those roles because there's so much responsibility involved in that. Because, you know, if, if a, you, you just you know, there is a lot on your shoulders. So I imagine that um, I, I just have a lot of respect for for you in doing that um, now. Um, you know, I, I imagine that you, you kind of have to be a shoulder, right? For a lot of, a lot of people, like whether it's to, to listen to people talk about issues that they're having going on in their lives, or can you, can you reflect on that? Did, did, what were the experiences like there in, in supporting your fellow residents? Yeah, 100%. It was definitely a lot um, being a student and kind of going through all of the things that I was going through and also being able to be there for my residents. And I was an RA for two years. So I got to have, I think, gosh, it totaled to just under 200 um, students under my 
supervision, if you will. Um, right, right. Just definitely a lot of a lot of uh, power to to wield, and you know, I loved it though because I got to um, become really close friends with them. But I yeah. think the the biggest thing was that being able to connect with people on a deeper level about things regarding mental health and, mm-hmm. um, you know, diversity, um, was definitely a very powerful piece for me. Um, I'm someone who's struggled with my own mental health for pretty much my entire life. And so being able to deepen my connection with students there was something that I really wanted to actively engage in, right. um, and be able to, take responsibility for, you know, making my community a safe place for people to have feelings that aren't necessarily um, normalized in society and for people to air those feelings with me and um, talk to me about how things are really going. You know, we yeah. always talk about like, oh, how are you? And I'm, I'm good. How are you? But yeah. I want people to be real. And like, yeah, for me, honestly, it's not always good. Um, yeah. you know, I struggled with anxiety and depression for most of my life and was just diagnosed with anxious tick disorder a few years ago. And so like mm-hmm. a lot of education has been me trying to find ways to overcome those challenges and being able to talk about that was definitely a huge part of my growth as a person and of my finding my passion in talking about mental health, talking about diversity, um, and, really tailoring that in my professional development to get me to the point that I am today. Right. And, and I, I just want to thank you so much for, for being willing to, to, to talk about it here on the podcast and, you know, that, that continuing to, to destigmatize, I think is, is so, so very important, Dominique. I mean, I, um, you know, I went the first, um, 12 or so years of my career here at Cal Poly, um, with hiding my own, um, issues related, um, to, to anxiety. And, um, and I, and I didn't really open up in the classroom and I didn't really talk about how I'm here for you if, if you need me. And, 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 um, and hence my first 12 years, I didn't have a single student, um, come out and, and express any issues with mental health. Right. And then um, a few years ago, I, I started to realize that, um, that by, you know, expressing my own, um, you know, uh, issues and, and being open with them in the classroom and telling students that I'm here for them, it, it was really amazing the cascade of students that, that I mean, so in the last four to five years, I've had so many students reach out to me and 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 express that that they're dealing with with issues related to mental health and and I, 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 of course we've gone through a global pandemic, so that obviously exacerbates that. But this was pre-pandemic. I was um, I, I realized that that destigmatize the, the, the destigmatizing and talking about it and being more open really helps people. And so I can't thank you enough for, for being willing to, to talk about it and being open and, um, and, and don't get me wrong. I know that that's hard. And, and, <laughs> and so that I'm not trying to say that those who don't are, are at fault or anything like that. I'm just saying, thank you for the courage to, to help along those lines. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've sat with, 
with that for, like I said, almost my whole life. And Mm -hmm. so it's taken a lot of bravery and courage to get to the point where I am and therapy to get to the point where I am. And I think that a part of that is definitely the fact that I started to get frustrated with the stigma around it. And I got really frustrated with people not knowing what I was going through, you know, not, Mm -hmm. not understanding what I was, um, was dealing with. And so Mm -hmm. being able to talk about it and not only talk about it, but also being able to be supported by faculty and staff like you have during my college career. And like so many of the other faculty members in the EI, department have during my college career has been profoundly impactful in my mental health. And um, I think it was uh, Jen Prentice who said something about how you can't truly connect with someone until you know the struggles that they're going through. Um, And vulnerability is the the main point of connection in people's lives. And um, I, I just wish I knew that earlier. I wish that I knew that being able to talk about those things, even with people who are in positions of power, mm-hmm. so to say, yeah, um, it can be scary. It's scary, but it's so worth it because it helps them to understand you and you to understand them. Yeah, 100%. And, um, I think I think that's that's so important. Um, so so let's now move on from the RA position and um, and talk about what came next, right? In in your path towards in at Moore Bay. Yeah. So I had a lot of um, little tiny. I guess, job positions, summer positions here and there. Um, I worked at a plant nursery, which was more involved in agriculture, and then worked at uh, a summer camp, which was um, kind of my intro to events and activations and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But the real next step, I would say, was um, when I started working at Legacy Training Center. Um, It's a gymnastics center in town. Yeah, Um, Legacy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun one. Um, I worked as their birthday party coordinator, and I did some coaching there as well. Very fun. fun. Oh, yeah, that was um, when I was still along the lines of, oh, I want to do events. Um, Hadn't yet taken my my class with Dr. Wallace. Um, But I loved that position. Um, It was the first kind of supervisor position that I had had where I was really leading and delegating and... um, actively getting people to align with the same message for an event or for an activation. And so we would do a couple birthday parties every weekend and a couple of um, gym wide events every month. Um, And it was truly, it was a really um, incredible experience and got me comfortable with my own ability to be a leader and to be able to engage others um, towards a common goal of an organization. And don't get me wrong, I made lots of mistakes. Of course. Um, (laughs) I was very, very happy to be able to be led by such awesome staff members and um, the owner of the place is really awesome. So um, I was able to kind of guide myself through that and learn life lessons and career development lessons that I never would have otherwise um, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> I was going to say, and then a pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, I think it's valuable for, for us to talk about that since, since you've, you've had it happen in the middle of your college career and what, what that experience was like as a college student and, um, and how you were, you, you know, how you were able to, to manage. I mean, I imagine, um, 
you know, just like with any, with anything, it's an adjustment. Um, and so can you talk about what that period was like and, and how you've adjusted and that sort of thing? Yeah, totally. Um, I think, so the pandemic started in 2020 and we all know, um, and I was still an RA at that time. So my housing was not necessarily removed. I had the option to stay, but it didn't feel like the safest thing to do just because my immune system is not great. And so having to work on campus and be on campus in the residence halls during a global wide pandemic didn't feel like the safest place to be. Um, So I ended up going home um, and did my classes from home. And that was definitely interesting. Um, Me and my two siblings who aren't married with families um, went back home to my parents who thought they were empty, empty nesters at this point. So they were pretty surprised about that as well. Um, And we all were doing either college classes or working, um, whatever we were doing, it was just very chaotic in the household. Um, And so for this, the, let's see, the following year when we found out we were going to be virtual again. So I was only home for spring and then summer quarter. Um, The following year when we found out we were going to be virtual again, um, I decided to come back to San Luis Obispo um, and was able to do virtual classes from here, which I'm super thankful and privileged to be able to do. It gave me a space where everyone was kind of common minded towards getting our education done. Um, Mm -hmm. And during that time, I also ended up going back to work um, and started my job at the Inn at Morrow Bay um, to kind of help me financially get through school. And uh, so I started working there um, full-time as well as school full-time. So it was definitely busy. (laughs) I was going to say, that's tough. Yeah. Can you talk about what that was like um, or what that's been like um, doing both? Uh, It's quite a balancing act. Oh, 100%. Um, It's so busy, um, incredibly busy. Uh, I feel like that's the only word that you can use to describe it. Um, I always tell people I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm losing my mind, Um, but it's definitely been worth it for me as far as being able to support myself um, while getting myself through school and getting me the experiences of a really fast paced, heavy workload. Um, I feel like in my future, I'm going to be prepared for pretty much anything that's thrown at me. And ideally it won't be two 40 hour a week commitments, (laughs) Um, but ideally it will also be, um, I mean, ideally also this situation will help me to prepare for that in the future. And I think that that's something that I've learned that a lot of students are, um, kind of facing, not necessarily in the same way as me in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But not when I came into college, it was very much so, oh, you know, most students are, you know, traditional, they get loans, they do this, they do that. Mm -hmm. And as I spent time at Cal Poly, I've realized that not everyone is the same. And, you know, my financial situation is very different from many others' financial situations. And I think that we all have our own individual experiences that um, kind of guide us throughout college. And so I would say, yeah, it's, I, overall it's been busy, but it's also been very enlightening, um, as far as everyone's different walks of life and also challenging myself mentally, emotionally, physically, and seeing just how much I can handle and just how strong of a person I am. Right. Right. Well, 
Um, well, I just, again, I, I hate to keep being a broken record, but I have an immense amount of respect for you and, 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 and all students who, who do that, right. Who, who work full time and, and, and put themselves through school. It's just, um, it's just amazing, um, to, to think about doing that. And, um, and, and, you know, uh, in at Morro Bay, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a golfer or I became a golfer during the pandemic somehow. I never thought I would become a golfer. I mean, people see this hat and they think, oh yeah, naturally you became a golfer. I'm like, well, you know, whatever I, I did. But so I, I walk by in at Morro Bay, uh, a, a lot of weeks when I'm out at the Morro Bay golf course, um, for those who do not know in at Morro Bay is right there, um, uh, not quite uh, ocean view, um, but but you can say bay and dune view, right? It's like right there on the bay and you can see the dunes and and you can, I guess you, it is ocean view because you can see the ocean in the distance and um, just a beautiful property. And um, and I don't know whether you know this or not, Dominique, but we we have a long history within at Morro Bay. Um, one of our uh, one of our longtime lecturers, um, Kendi Root, um, she, uh, worked at in at Morro Bay before, um, she, uh, became a lecturer at Cal Poly. And then she worked for them after she became, a, after she retired from being a lecturer at Cal Poly. And so, um, say we've had a number of students over the years, um, working there and, um, yeah. So tell us about, um, that experience. You know, I imagine that, um, being at the front desk is not the easiest position to hold. And, um, and you, you may have had other positions. I know you're now the front desk supervisor, but can you talk about what that's been like? And, um, cause I, cause I will, I will tell you that I, I had, um, I had, a. uh, a couple of, of, of people I was playing golf with and they told me they were staying at in Morro Bay and, and they, didn't have great, uh, weren't having the greatest experience, let's just say. And, you know, they, they mouthed off a bit, um, as we were standing there on the, uh, on the 11th tee. And I was like thinking to myself, like, Oh God, I, I would hate to be the one work. Out. <laughs> I would hate to be the one doing customer service for these two guys, you know, but, uh, oh, yeah. so, so, so what has it been, what's it been like? Tell us what life as a front desk at the front desk is like. Yeah, um, the front desk is definitely one of the most challenging jobs that I've had. Um, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. it 100% with my whole heart, yeah. but it is definitely one of the most challenging Um one of the factors is, is that a lot of people don't realize at a hotel, nothing gets magically cleaned and nothing gets magically fixed. Yeah, um, right. So right. unless we're made aware of those issues, right. um, nothing can get done to resolve the issues. So you, mean um, you don't have a snap. You can't just snap your fingers, Dominic. I mean, come on. Crazy, right? <laughs> We'd have this figured out by now, but now, unfortunately, um, being in a human based industry, industry, the service industry, you have a lot of human error. And so there are a lot of things that come up. And with that, there's a lot of people who have challenges with their stay. And I think that everyone responds to that differently. But I always come from it come at it from a perspective of this is this person's vacation. This is this person's escape from their reality. And they 
have this picture in their brain of wanting that to be perfect. And I would as well. I have as well in the past. And so when something goes wrong, it feels like the end of the world. And so for me, my job is to make the end of the world not seem as scary. (laughs) And so a lot of that is just making sure that I face any of those complaints with empathy, um, with respect, with intuition, um, understanding what that guest needs in order to resolve the issue. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that so many people don't bring up the issues when they're happening. They only let it little simmer in the pot until it becomes this explosion of just frustration with the situation. And so it's always easier for me if I know about things that are happening. Um, But it's definitely uh, been a learning curve as far as figuring out exactly how to handle those situations with patience and understanding and also knowing that the frustration that someone has is not towards me. It's towards the situation that's happening. And I think that um, anyone who goes into the hotel industry is going to learn that very quickly, that people are going to seem like they're blaming you. And even though it feels very um, direct and frustrating because it's not your fault that, you know, something on a hundred year old building is falling off, but it still happens and it's still frustrating to that guest and feels like the biggest deal in the world. And, um, kind of navigating that has been a really challenging thing, but also a very, um, very interesting. And, um, I would say exciting thing for me as well, because each person who has those frustrations is kind of like my own personal challenge of like, okay, how do I get them to leave with a smile? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I love that aspect of it. I appreciate that reflection. So let's talk, um, let's talk about, you know, your, your upward path. You, you recently got, um, you recently were promoted to, um, to supervisor and, um, as a, um, impending college graduate, um, that I know that that's uh, very exciting, and um, and so let let's talk about. Uh, can can you reflect on on what you think? Um, what gave them the the confidence? What gave them? Wh- what do you think separated you? In other words, uh, how did you get that promotion? One hundred percent. Yeah. So I um, I came in to the hotel as any other front desk agent does. It's an entry level position, and you know I personally was super excited. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. I'm going to learn so much. I'm so ready to start my career. And, uh, you know, the employer didn't necessarily think of it that way because I was a college student and, you know, still in school, still learning, still have other priorities. Um, But I think one thing that set me apart from everyone was the fact that even though I did have other priorities, I try as hard as I can to compartmentalize work and school. And so whenever I'm thinking about school, that is my focus. And whenever I'm thinking about work, that's what I'm prioritizing and that's what I'm focused on. And so um, when I was at work, it was constantly, how can we improve? How can we make this better? How can we be better and give better service? And I was fortunate enough, I guess is the best word to use to come in during the pandemic when, you know, the, there was so much shifting and changing in the hospitality industry and being a new and bright 
bushy-tailed base in the industry helped me to come in with new experiences, new knowledge, um, and innovative strategies to be able to combat some of these things that were happening. And so now going out of the pandemic, hopefully, (laughs) um, I've been able to kind of reroute some of the the strategies that the hotel uses. And um, one of the things that I fell very passionately for was being able to train um, our front desk agents. Uh, I'm doing my senior project right now on customization and standardization. And one of the um, passion projects that I have is talking about job standardization and task standardization and how um, effective that is, and as well as mass customization and empowerment at uh, the front desk and in the hospitality industry and how powerful that is um, in regards to being able to provide front desk agents and other people in the workforce of the hospitality industry with the experience, knowledge, resources that they need to be successful. And um, so once I started kind of learning about that and started seeing areas where we could improve, I asked my my manager if I could take on some passion projects, which included updating our um, training materials and manual, uh, Mm -hmm. which are very out of date right now. Um, And it just kind of grew from there and I started training. And now I think every, almost every single person at the front desk has trained under me. And so we've kind of standardized our processes of how we handle guest complaints, how we handle room moves and things like that. And um, it's definitely been a huge shift in the way that things have run. And um, it's turned things around quite dramatically um, in my perspective. So um, it's been really cool being able to be a part of that. But I think that the main, the main point of that was that I think that what got me to where I am is my drive and just actively asking for projects and things that I could work on and things that I could do to make the place better. And knowing that I'm a valuable commodity, um, that people have the ability to utilize my, my fresh experience and, um, take, take that to their advantage so that we can grow and be a better company. Right. Well, I just, I just love that. And I think that's uh, so invaluable for, for those who are listening to, to take that approach. Uh, a couple of things I want to, I want to follow up on w- with um, related to that, you know, uh, people have probably heard me tell this story before, but I had this student once who was a sport management student and they said, well, I'm having trouble finding any jobs in sport and, and, um, and, um, he handed me his resume and I was looking at his resume and I was like, well, it says here you're working at Dick Sporting Goods. And, and he was like, well, yeah, but I'm just a clerk working at Dick Sporting Goods. And I was like, well, yeah, so that's part of the problem. I was <laughs> like, and he was like, what do you mean? And I go, well, you just said I'm just a clerk working at Dick Sporting Goods. No, you're a clerk working at Dick Sporting Goods, who happens to be a sport management major, who is interested in sport marketing. Have you asked your boss whether you can get involved in marketing, whether you can get involved in events? Can you? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. And and that is um, uh, so. So what you just said, Dominique, is just such a great example of how to get ahead, right? To ha- how to to um, impress your supervisors, impress your bosses. You know, I um, my early on in my career, I just sat back at the computer and like entered 
rosters <laughs> for club sports, you know, and and was not engaged and didn't want to talk to anybody and just was trying to get by because I was also in school. And, you know, one day somehow I got lucky enough that my boss got fired and he came in and for some odd reason recommended me for the position. And, and like, really, I mean, I had no business whatsoever. Right. I like just got hit over the head with it. Right. I should have been taking a way more active role. And so hearing that example from you is just such a great way to look at things. And and I also love the fact that you brought out that your senior project, because that's that's ultimately what we want with the senior project. We want you to take an analytical perspective into every position that you have from here on out. Right. Where you look at it and think, okay. Are we aligned with best practices? And if not, how do we get in line with best practices? And if so, how do we push those best practices to the next level? And that's exactly what you just described. And so I just love it. Thank you for that, for sure. Of course, I've I've definitely, I think the senior project is daunting and I being right in the middle of it, it's uh, definitely been a challenge for me and for a lot of other students from what I can gather. But um, one really cool and fun aspect of that is exactly like you were saying, it's mastering that aspect of the experience industry and being able to kind of deepen your knowledge about it and become an expert on. And so at the end of this, I will be an expert on standardization and customization in yeah. the hospitality industry. And I'll be able to have such a deep knowledge of why things are the way that they are and mm-hmm. how we can improve them. And I think that it'll probably be a passion project for research for me for the rest of my life. I um, love it. That's, I love yeah. it. That's exactly yeah. what we intended. And so, uh, that that gives me um, a super big smile, and I have to I have to tell you that while you were um, while you were talking, you said uh, you, you said you came into the position bushy tailed, and um, and um, and and so I thought I was like, wow, I thought that that might have just been a southern saying, you know, like me growing up in the south, and so I looked up bright eyed and bushy tailed to see where that comes from. And, um, and it says it's supposedly bright eyed supposedly comes from the late 1500s while bushy tailed is said to have hailed from 1865 to 1870, though no one has really figured out when they came together, but people seem to think it was people referring to a squirrel who looks bright eyed and bushy tailed. Cause they're always like, you know, their eyes are always like up and they've got the bushy tail. Yes. <laughs> so it's so well, I don't know. It definitely could be from the South, but uh, uh-huh. well, I guess I use it. Maybe I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, um, well, Dominique, I, I appreciate again that reflection and, and just want to congratulate congratulate you again on your promotion. And um and uh you know, the last thing we'll talk about, if if you you don't mind, and I've already run it by you, so I know you don't mind that that you have um you have recently come out and um and so in addition to being just the second ever student um, on, on the podcast, um, you'll, you get to be the first one to talk about, about coming out. And I just want to, again, like I said, with, um, with mental health, um, 
the destigmatization there. I, I really appreciate the courage there. And, um, and, and I really appreciate your willingness to, to, to want to, to talk about, um, coming out and what that was like. And, and, um, because it's, I, I just feel like it's so important for other people to hear stories. You know, you'll be um, like the 90th podcast and that we've had, right? And and so 90 people before you, no one's talked about it, right? And so that those who listen don't have anyone to, to say to say, oh, I wonder whether I can identify with these people along those lines or not, right? And so can you um, can you talk to us about what that uh, what that process was like and coming out and and how you were supported and and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am so excited to be out. Um, I came out in 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, apparently, it was just a very big year for me, wow. um, and it was one of the scariest things that I've ever done. Um, I came out as pansexual. Um, so that was really exciting. Um, it's been a thing since as far as I can remember. Um, but it's never been something that I felt comfortable and confident talking about. Um, and so that's been the biggest change is that since I came out, I really just said, you know, the people who don't like it are not my people. Um, that's not the circle that I want to be in. And I just actively started thinking in that way and, um, kind of decided that it was going to be something that I was going to look at in the most positive light that I possibly could. And, um, it still takes time and it still takes practice. And, you know, I, um, I'm very open about it and open about my sexuality, but, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's nerve wracking and it's terrifying, but I think that yeah. one of the things that helped is having a close knit group of friends and supporters and, um, just the EIM department in general has been incredibly supportive. I mean, I've gotten into Dr. Rue's office hours before and just been like, Dr. Rue, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. And, uh, she has just been immensely helpful as yeah. well as the other faculty and staff here. And so it's been incredibly, um, powerful to have that support system and that network. And, um, I think that one of the things that I hope for the future is that it's something that is talked about more and that it's something that is, um, better understood because I mean, even today we're going through anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ legislation, and it is so challenging and tough to hear, um, especially being a part of the community to know that there is so much going on in today's day and age in 2022, we've made so much progress, but yet we're still so far behind where we could be as far as coming at it from an empathetic perspective and understanding people. And, you know, I, I, I was made this way. I was born this way and there's not much that I can do to change that. So you know, it's, it's a, a challenging thing, I think, but I, I have hope for the future, um, especially just after coming out and seeing my support system and my network just continue to grow and flourish in a positive direction rather mm-hmm. than um, sticking with those, those few that have, um, you know, said negative things and being able to move towards that positive light has been mm-hmm. such a huge thing for me. Um, and for, I think the community as a whole, we're, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel very empowered by the people who are actively speaking out um, 
to make things easier for the LGBTQ plus community. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's been super important for me and mm-hmm. um, the department as a whole has definitely helped to make that process a lot easier. Um, and it goes back to mental health. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I've, yeah. I've gone into Dr. Rue's office hours and been like, Dr. Rue, help, and other yeah. professors and just said, hey, like, I'm not doing well. There's things that are going on in my personal life that are affecting and impacting me. And being able to have that vulnerability um, and say, hey, like, my life is not great right now. Mm-hmm. Um has helped me to be successful as a student as well. So to anyone, whether you are in the closet, out of the closet, um, gay, straight, pan, whatever you may be, I would say just if you feel comfortable confiding in someone, even if you don't give the whole story, can immensely help your success. Um, And our department has been awesome in kind of giving a positive stance, um, and a positive support system, um, in that area. So right. can't well, thank y'all enough. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I appreciate, um, that sentiment, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's students like you who, um, who, who continue to help us, um, evolve as, as a society and as a department and, and as people. And, um, you know, I think that that word that 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 you used a few minutes ago, empathetic, um, is is so is so important. And um, you know, I really appreciated a few years back the um, the the movement on Cal, Cal Poly's campus, um, uh, love, empathy, and respect. You know, and I, I wear that I wear that button on my jacket a lot, and um, and in in hopes that it will that that students will see that and will go oh okay yeah that's that's what we need more of in in this world and it it most assuredly is and and you know i i i have i'm with you i i do have hope for the future um i i'm scared by by things some of the things that i see and um and that sometimes can chip away at the hope um but then I hear my daughter on the way home um, say about her sex ed class. Um, she said, well, daddy, the only thing is it's just very cis normative and very heteronormative. And I feel like I should challenge that. How do you think I should go about it? And I was just like blown away. You know I mean? It just like, it brings tears to my eyes, you know, to hear a 13 year old say that, you know, and, and I mean, I, you know, at 13, I had no earthly idea what either of those two words meant. Um, and, um, and the fact that she was able to articulate that and was able to sit in a sex ed class and realize that even in 2022 in California, um, we have education that is cisnormative and heteronormative, you know, even though we have a faction of people out there yelling that we're indoctrinating and, and that, you know, that, that's, a, that's a load of, of crap in, in my opinion. Um, and, but so that, that, that next generation, you know, my, my daughter reads like every, every day she, she comes and she's like, yeah, daddy, this is, I'm great. I'm reading about this character who's pansexual or, or, or she'll come up with a word that I've never heard of. 
right? Like um, she gave me a word last week that I had never heard of. And, um, and I had to look it up and, 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 and do some research. And, and I went back to her and I was like, wow, honey, that was really, that's really cool. I'd never heard of that, you know? And, um, and so I think the, the importance of, of being empathetic and, and realizing <laughs> kind of back to what we talked about at the beginning, right? There's no one path. Um, and, um, everyone is different on this planet and, um, and finding, um, finding people who care about you and support you and will help you along life's journey is, is so important. And I'm so happy that you found people, um, to be able to, to, to give you that sense of community. And I appreciate you um so much having the courage and and wanting to speak speak out and and help along those lines oh thank you i appreciate that and it sounds like we've got a little activist on our hands with your little girl <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed yes indeed and, i'm uh, excited for her oh, i know me fun. too <laughs> me, me too me too i love it well Dominique, I can't thank you enough for, for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it so much. And, and want to say um, an early congratulations on, on graduation. I look forward to, to seeing you um, at commencement. This is going to air uh, the week of commencement. So we're, uh, it'll be a very exciting week for you and, and all of your fellow graduates, I know. But um, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really exciting talking about my journey. And um, I hope that everyone took a little something from it. And if anyone has any questions, you can always feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to chat about what my experience has been like and just give a shoulder to anyone who needs it. So Love you know that. how to me. <laughs> Love that. Thank you so much. And the only thing now that, that I will say is that you're, you're going to have to, every student that I ever have, I'm going to say this to you. You've got to agree to come back on the podcast in uh, 10 years and uh, give us an update. How's that? Absolutely. I All will right. gladly come back. <laughs> awesome. So I really, really appreciate it. Take care, Dominic. Thank you. You too. See ya. Bye.